Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we have a lot to cover on this show, including some news with regard to the COVID-19 list and, uh, and the Green Bay Packers, and we will get to that later in the show. I want to start, though, with talking about the Packers' victory over the Washington football team on Sunday at Lambeau Field. 24-10 to the final score. Green Bay wins its sixth straight, now 6-1 and on the season with a two-and-a-half game lead in the NFC North following a Bears loss and the Vikings being on their bye. Um, yeah, after week one, this is exactly what we thought, right? We'd be sitting Absolutely. here talking about the Packers being 6-1. and one. <laughs> You know, It's funny, too. I know everyone's drawing up those stats about how, hey, it's the first time ever a team has won six straight games after a 35-point loss in right. week one. The week after, it was the first team to win five straight games after. So you have to see how far yeah. Green Bay can take this thing. You know, it was funny. I, I was driving on my typical route after I leave Lambeau Field. You're going down Lombardi Avenue, pretty much dead to the world by the time you leave the stadium. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, you know, <laughs> we've witnessed some darn things over the years, you know, some, <laughs> some interesting games, some of them of which have happened during this winning streak. But I, I don't know if there's anything more apropos than Green Bay – having a setback like they did in week one, and then finding a way to right the ship and continually getting better throughout the course of their six-game winning streak, despite the fact they keep taking hits uh, to their defense especially. But as we found out today, um, you know their offense potentially going into Thursday. But the fact of the matter is, Mike, finally the Green Bay Packers defense played the way situationally they needed to play. They were going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. You can limit teams. You can limit their opportunities. You can limit the explosive plays. But when you get down to the brass tacks in the red zone, you have to be able to get stops, and the Packers got four of them consecutively to win this game. Yeah, you know how I, I always like to say this is a week-to-week yeah. league, right? I mean, yes, there are certain things that are indicators and, and things that you follow, and the numbers are the numbers. You can't argue with the facts, but – there's no, maybe no better example within a given team than going 15 consecutive defensive possessions in the red zone allowing touchdowns and then suddenly getting four consecutive stops, two of them inside the five-yard line, one of them with an interception in the end zone, and then forcing a field goal at the end of the game when the Packers were up by three scores and Washington was just trying to get within two scores at that point. Hats off, hats off to this Packers defense because, as you said, the injuries that they've dealt with, Preston Smith, his career-long consecutive game streak came to an end. Kevin King still not back, and we all know, of course, about Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander currently being, being on injured reserve. And, uh, and the Packers defense came to play. Um, they, yes, they gave up a bunch of yards. Washington was able to move the ball. I will say this, though, the 430 yards that a lot of people are focusing on, just remember 65 of those roughly were in the last two minutes of the game when the Packers were up by 14 and essentially letting Washington run out the clock, which is what they did. So it really was a defensive performance of less than 400 yards on top of the uh, the four the four red zone stops and this is what the Packers defense needed to do they've been they've been 
building this foundation of where this defense is headed week by week, right, Wes? Yeah. And and they just they they laid down another pretty significant building block in this victory over Washington. I'm glad you use that term block because I mean you take it piece by piece here, right? The way the Packers play collectively as a unit. You don't have Preston Smith. 102 consecutive games played. 107 if you count in his five postseason appearances. Right. Most NFL players would give an arm or a leg to play 102 games in the NFL, NFL let alone doing that consecutively. <laughs> yeah. Preston Smith has been an absolute Iron Man. You don't have him, though. So what has to happen? He's not available. Zadarius is dealing with his back injury on injured reserve. It was time for the third Smith brother to step up. Rashawn Gary was a first-round pick, the 12th pick in the 2019 NFL draft. The moment was going to come where the Packers were going to need to lean on that young man, and he came through in spades. I mean, I saw the stat for Pro Football Focus, 10 pressures he was credited for by that stat agency. He had four quarterback hits objectively, and then also with the two sacks in that game, one of which was really a momentum turner there at the beginning of the second half. Green Bay gets that scoring drive to get the 14 to 7 lead at halftime, but we always talk about doubling up, right? Yeah. That possession by Arizona, they go out there, it looks like they're going to have a chance to answer what the Packers did, and Rashawn Gary gets the ball back to Green Bay. They score another touchdown, suddenly it's a 21 7 game. There's a lot of guys you can talk about Rasul Douglas, Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki, the way he finished this game, Dean Lowry. The list goes on and on. An incredible, you know. Uh, end zone interception from Chandon Sullivan and Adrian Amos coming up with a big, you know, turnover on downs play. But Rashawn Gary stepping up and being a dominant player, the Packers needed it. And I thought he really took a massive step forward in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the double up thing because we talk about that with the strategy and, and, you know, with the coin toss and all that. And this is the second game in a row where the Packers lost the coin toss, the opponent deferred in order to have the opportunity to double up. And in very different ways, the Packers completely thwarted the strategy. Last week against Chicago, it was the defense getting a stop at the end of the first half, getting a stop at the start of the second half to maintain the small lead that the Packers had. This time, as you mentioned, the Packers get the ball, three minutes left in the first half, drain the clock and get a touchdown on a beautiful back shoulder from the slot uh, throw Aaron Rodgers to Al Lazard. You don't see back shoulders from the slot very often, and and Rodgers and Lazard pulled that off. So that's the touchdown that puts the Packers in the lead. Washington has no time left in the first half to answer. And then on the second play of the opening possession of the second half, Rashawn Gary just buries Taylor Heineke in the pocket. The ball comes out. Dean Lowry grabs it, actually gets it on the fly before he even before yeah. the ball even goes to the ground. And then a couple plays later, Aaron Rodgers to Bobby Tunyon. The Packers are in the end zone again. It's a two-touchdown game. And for the second week in a row, the opponent's opportunity to double up ends up being a stretch of the game where the Packers take control and establish who's got command of the football game. Yeah, and, and you know – Green Bay, you talk about defense, you know, being able to set the tone in a game, and I felt like that's what they did, specifically in the second half. I mean, as Alan Lazard said after the game, this wasn't the picture-perfect performance that I'm sure Green Bay's offense wanted against, you know, Washington. There was too much pressure on Aaron Rodgers. They weren't able to establish the run. Right. There were a lot of things that kind of worked against him, but the defense was the one that kind of gave them the jolt and obviously gave them an incredible you know, opportunity to put points on the board that ended up leading to the Tunyon touchdown. 
But I just thought you saw those two phases play off each other really well. The fact of the matter is, too, Mike, you, total yardage, that is sort of an antiquated, archaic way to sort of judge defenses. I think everyone pretty much agrees with that now yeah. because you look at a game like this, yes, there were 430 total yards. Some of that, again, came on that last drive. But it was what Green Bay did, 0 for 4 against the opposition in the red zone, 0 for 2 in goal-to-go situations. Certainly, I know some people brought up an insider inbox. Well, you know, the, the Heineke play was sort of a fluke. But see, that's the thing, Mike. That is the NFL. Yeah. Everything is not going to be perfect. Fluky Things like that stuff are happens happen. in this league every single week and, and multiple times in any given game. It's a matter of it's a matter of whatever happens, how do you respond to it? Who rises up in a big situation? The quarterback sneak on the one yard line. That's not what you expected to happen because everybody thought Taylor Heineke had scored a touchdown. Yeah. Well, Somebody had to make a play on fourth and goal from the one. The Packers were the team that made it. Yeah, and Devondre Campbell made a lot of plays in this game, man. 13 tackles, two forced fumbles, including one he was credited for on the Heineke sneak, which then ultimately ended up being stopped after Heineke corralled the ball. Gary made the stop there. Two turnovers on downs inside the five-yard line. For Green Bay, again, a defense that's missing Jair Alexander. You know, Kevin King unable to play. You know, Preston Smith, the list goes on and on. To get contributions from Campbell the way they have and some of these young guys, especially on this defensive line too, Mike, the one position where the Packers have been healthy, that has enabled this group to be a top-10 defense here the beginning half of the season. And real, realistically, as Aaron Rodgers said afterwards, there, he feels like the offense is close. And this idea that the Packers are 6-1 and one without maybe playing their best football yet and definitely not having the best version of themselves on the field – Yeah. That bodes well for them down the stretch, even though they're going to be facing an incredibly difficult November stretch. Yeah, and I want to touch on one other thing with regard to the offense, too, because you mentioned it. The Washington defensive front completely took away the run, was dominating the line of scrimmage early in the game. The Packers couldn't run the ball, and Aaron Rodgers was sacked three times in about the first quarter and a half of play. But then that drive at the end of the second quarter, the pass protection settled down. The Packers still never really found a running game throughout the entirety of this ball game. But the pass protection settled down late in the second quarter, and then that held through the second half to where even though the Packers couldn't run the ball, the one drive there, they were after the one turnover on downs, they're backed up on their own four-yard line, but they were able to come out of there and drive down and get a field right. goal to make it a three-score game. And and the pass protection settling in against a really, really tough Washington front, I thought was uh, what solidified at least the offense being able to do just enough to maintain the lead and, and, and finish this game. Aaron Rodgers had such a great line last Wednesday, Mike, where he talked about, you know, statistics. They are kind of whatever you make them. They can <clears throat> sort of provide evidence to whatever you want your argument to be. I thought that the the kind of – doggedness that people have sort of had towards Washington's defense, sort of the trepidation that, you know, people talk about how they haven't really lived up to the hype. I'll tell you what, Mike, I don't care what their total defense ranking is. If you just looked at that, that unit on Sunday, that's an impressive unit. I mean, Chase Young and Montez Sweat came as advertised. Jonathan Allen had a big game. Yeah. They can pressure with four and get to the quarterback. Yeah, they don't have they don't have to blitz. And I, I said it in Insider Inbox in Monday morning's column, that looked like and I was wondering all week long last week right, when I said something doesn't compute here with regard to the talent on this Washington defense and where they were ranked. Well, that looked like the Washington defense that won the NFC yes. East last year and put that team in the playoffs. 
yes, I know Washington is now two and five. This could be a turning point uh, for that team because uh, because the defense was starting to look more well, like the 2020 version that was really, really good. And let's never act like the NFC East is just all solidified. Yes, Dallas is off to a fine start. But for there's sure. still a lot of football yeah. to be played. And Washington, of one of the reasons they made the playoffs last year is because they made a big run. Just to make one last comment on that, Taylor Heineke, Heineke, Mike, I said it to you last week. I think we might have even said it on the show. The kid is a gamer. Yeah, he is. And I thought he proved that again. Now, I understand he doesn't have the NFL first-round pick arm. I know he doesn't have the, the stature. But the kid is tough. He's willing to run. And he's not afraid to make a big play. And I just feel like maybe he's not the guy you go into the season going, okay, well, this is our starting franchise quarterback. But you can win with that kid. If you put some pieces around them, Washington's not as far away as people might think they are. I think there are a couple pieces in the secondary away from having a defense that can contend. Yeah, and I think and and, and Taylor Heineke needs some better weapons on offense Correct. too. I think they have Terry McLaurin, and they have a bunch of guys that haven't really done a whole heck of a lot for them on offense. So uh, so we'll see where that goes with them. I want to also mention with regard to the Packers special teams. One blip on special teams in this game, Mason Crosby getting a field goal blocked. Maurice Drayton said there was some uh, leakage on leakage. the interior with the protection, but also the kick was low. I think everybody could see that. But other than that one moment, this was a pretty good game for the Packers on special teams. The kickoff coverage that we've seen some returns come out to the 30, maybe the 35, those were all stopped. Yep. The returns were, were all stopped inside the 25-yard line in this game. And then we've talked about him a lot already, but Corey Bohorquez, what more can you say about, uh, about this young man? He, he is becoming a field position factor every single week and the Packers defense is benefiting from it there's no question about it 10 years have been covering this team Mike and 10 years in for a, and with all due respect to Tim Massey because I love Tim oh yeah not that he's Tim, watching this right now but no Tim this, great great guy and had a really solid career here great career Bay. but you know there were so many times over those 10 years that I watched Packers games right where you'd see Andy Lee you'd see some of these guys Shane Leckler some of the best of the best in the National Football League Johnny Hecker Johnny Hecker you know, Michael Dickinson, right? But Dixon, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, from Seattle. In Seattle. And so many times I'd watch these guys and be like, man, if the Packers could get a punter like that, somebody that can really help change the field position, somebody that when you're into the, you're past the 50, you can find a way to pin defense or offenses back if, you know, your offense gets stopped. They've gotten that kid, and his name is Corey Bohorquez. And, yes, you know, we just saw the 82-yard punt. We saw the leg strength, but as – Maurice Drayton talked about the toolbox that he has, yep. the number of different punts that he can utilize. I was so happy to see him get rewarded. Game's out of reach. Packers are going to win. But just to see him get the credit for that punt, which is one of the most miraculous punts I've ever seen. <laughs> I, Mike, <laughs> I don't think you, you couldn't have put an index card between that football <laughs> and the goal line for where it bounced. Yeah. And for him to get the credit at the three there, I thought that was a real nice test. Yeah, it was remarkable. Nice carrot. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs. We believe in better. All right, well, 
We knew this was going to be a challenging week for the Green Bay Packers yep. regardless, right? Arizona, 7-0. and The Cardinals get to host the Packers, making a West Coast trip on a short week. All of that, two of the top teams in the NFC going head-to-head in prime time. And then <laughs> the news breaks on Monday that Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry and wide receiver Devontae Adams have tested positive for COVID and have been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. I guess I shouldn't say with regard to that it was actually a positive test because we don't know that the official roster designation is they've been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. So, of course, Murphy's Law, right? Timing is everything. Of all the weeks, of all the weeks that you're going to have a, a key coach and obviously a very key offensive player end up on the COVID list... It's when you have a short week and you're facing the lone undefeated team in the NFL. So the challenges just got stacked a little bit higher here for Green Bay as uh, as they get ready to go out to Arizona. Well, and, you know, first and foremost, you know, just kind of keeping, you know, Joe Barry in my thoughts a little bit. That's kind of the way I approach this thing. I've approached it the last 18 months. You hope for the best yeah. on the wealth and health and wellness side of things. Certainly, as you pointed out with Devontae Adams, what we know right now, he's placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. NFL teams do not comment on what the status is of those guys. Could be a close con. All those different things can right. happen. Right. So we'll see what happens with Devontae Adams. But the fact of the matter is, from a football perspective, from the business of sports perspective, from the fact that the Green Bay Packers are 6-1 and one and the Arizona Cardinals are 7-0, and oh, this is not the news the Green Bay Packers wanted to get this week. Yep. Barry's defense has done an exceptional job this season. I think you've seen him really settle in, you know, with some of the defensive play calling in the last five weeks. I mean, this is a unit that, as I said in our intro, has gotten better really steadily for six, seven straight games, basically always taking a step forward. Devontae Adams, man, I just I want to see one year where he can play 16 games or now 17 yeah, games right. and just see him blow out record books because <laughs> he's that talented, he's that good. And the guy just produces. I know you're not a fantasy football guy, but I've been playing fantasy football for 15 years. I'm telling you right now, Mike, you watch receivers in this league. Guys will have 100-yard games with two touchdowns, and next week they'll come back with 30 yards. They'll drive you nuts from a fantasy perspective. I can't recall anyone that's been as consistent in terms of production than Devontae Adams. If he's not getting 10 catches for 100 yards, then he's getting two touchdowns. If he's not getting a touchdown, then he has 14 catches for 160 yards. The guy is a dynamic football player, and I was so excited. And we'll see. You know, you can get two negative tests, whatever that is, you know, to be potentially active. All those things that are above my head, above my pay grade. Right. But I was so excited this week, Mike, about DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. They don't play each other, but these are the two most consistently dominant receivers in the league over the last five years. So excited to see them on the field. Uh, it's still going to be a great matchup, regardless of how all this stuff unfolds. But certainly for Green Bay, it is a massive wrench in the plans to have to be dealing with this on a short week, playing the best team in the National Football League. Yeah, and Matt LaFleur, at the time that we're taping this, he hasn't addressed um, the issue of Devontae Adams going on the COVID list, but he did talk about uh, Joe Barry. And although LaFleur didn't really make a specific announcement, he did suggest that Jerry Gray, the Packers' defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator on the defensive side, who's been a defensive coordinator for multiple teams in the NFL previously in his coaching career, most likely will be the defensive play caller for Thursday night in Arizona. Certainly a guy that 
that uh, Matt LaFleur, the rest of that defensive staff would have plenty of confidence in. But uh, um, but this is this this is a shakeup here. You know, um, as we've talked about with all the progress the defense has made, all those building blocks and everything. Now suddenly you get a little bit of a you get a little bit of a wrench thrown into uh, you know what's supposed to be this uh, this straight ahead progress and and we'll just have to see how they react because um Kyler Murray you know the, one of the big storylines here in this short week as much as uh um there isn't too much time to talk about it but Taylor Heineke did scramble for a whole bunch of yards for Washington and that's one of those things that now you're going to face Kyler Murray who's yeah. who's even faster who's even more elusive the Packers defensively will have to obviously have a plan for that maybe it's something that actually works in Green Bay's favor in the sense that okay yeah, Taylor Heineke leaked out a few too many times and, and hurt them with his legs. So that sort of puts you even on extra heightened alert now going into the going into a matchup with Kyler Murray. We'll see what happens. I'm really interested to see what Kyler Murray looks like on Thursday night and, and how he plays because the guy's having an MVP-type season. Oh, yeah. But he's actually doing it more with his arm this year. You know, mm-hmm. his, his rushing yards, his scrambles per game are down compared to last year. He's starting to rely more on his instincts and his talent around him than just his feet. Now, that being said, we've seen it time and time again where all it takes is one matchup, all it takes is a particular look, and all that stuff can change really fast. But And not all those throws are coming from the pocket either. Correct. He's getting himself out, and he's not necessarily running, but then he's making a play with his arm with his after feet. his legs give him the opportunity. Yeah, so that's where he's really interesting. I just think he's trusting his eyes more. He's trusting his arm. And, I mean, this kid has it all. I mean, when you go back and think about Arizona and the, the, the stuff about, okay, are they going to take him? Are they going to stick you know, with, with what they had already? And you started to look at the intangibles that he showed that made him a first overall pick type caliber player, despite the height questions. Yeah, I think at 24 years young, man, this he has shown everything to tell you that the Cardinals made the right move, independent of the other stuff that happened. I'm excited to watch him. It is a massive test for this defense, for Devondre Campbell, and for whoever the defensive play caller ends up being, if it's yeah. Jerry Gray. Um, the Packers have to mind their P's and Q's in this one because whether it's their passing offense, whether it's the scoring offense, this is an explosive unit, man. And the Arizona Cardinals, they've shown it time and time again. They are not to be trifled with. They have kind of – I made that comparison a month ago. This has kind of been the little brother of this division lately. Well, the little brother <laughs> punched all the other brothers in the mouth and said, this is my house now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well – We will have plenty more to talk about with regard to this matchup, Packers and Cardinals, a big Thursday night game as this week moves along. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long here on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.